Welcome back to the Hockey House, episode 19, brought to you by Selly Hockey Co. I am Murph, joined virtually by Glick and Fitz. We'll throw it over to Fitz first tonight. Fitz, how you doing? Doing good, Murph. Um, don't have class on Tuesdays, so haven't been doing much today. Uh, just waiting for the podcast with the boys. How you doing, Glick? Not bad. Kind of the complete opposite. It's midterm season right now, so I've just been swamped with work this week. So I would definitely trade that of free Tuesday with you if I could. Glick, Glick, I'm going to be honest. You look like you haven't been getting much sleep lately. You look like a kid who's in midterm mode. Yeah, it's been rough. And I also spent this like this past weekend skiing. So I got to catch up even on, you know, on double the work. So it's going to be a rough week, but it's good to take a little break from all that and just put talk to some ACHA hockey with the boys. And hey, you're, you're on the cover of uh, ACHA 2K21. Not bad. Oh, honestly, like that's sick. <laughs> I saw yeah. that. I was like, "Holy shit, that's awesome!" We, uh, I took obviously we we got um, suggestions and uh, a lot of people were saying like, eh, "Maybe a guy from Liberty." And I was like, "I don't know." Or we've all kind of seen enough of Liberty. We we want somebody more fan favorite. And and somebody, what is somebody suggested uh, the ACHA's favorite goalie, Glick? And I was like, you know what? I, I, that'll that'll work. That'll work. And the picture of you squirting the water bottle, I think, was perfect. It was sick. Yeah. Got an awesome interview today. It was, it was kind of a, a tough one, but at the same time, it was an important interview to to do. We talked to Luke Grossman from Slippery Rock. Obviously, uh, the word's kind of gotten out at this point that Slippery Rock has suspended their ACHA Division One men's team, handing down a punishment for some incidences that occurred within the team. Luke goes into great detail about what happened. Um, the three of us, we read the article that came out um, where they interviewed Luke. He pretty much said what they had said in the article. Didn't really leave any details out. A tough thing to talk to, especially I know in, in the world we live in today where some things that might've been okay 10 years ago aren't, aren't really flying today. And I think they, those guys learned it the hard way. So what, what did you guys think? We'll, we'll go to Fitz first. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough to, to hear about something like that. And then just to see, for us, we get to see Luke on screen and just you can tell the kind of person he is, how much the game means to him. And, you know, to, to see it in his, his just his eyes, his face, uh, talking about what, what happened. And it's, yeah, it's 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 definitely tough to uh, – to see what's going on there or by you Glick. yeah i mean i i completely agree i mean he, he talked about how much progress his team made in the past years that he's been there and all the great stuff that they've done and it's just it, it like it really sucks to see such a great organization like a guy who put in a lot of work and obviously not just him but the rest of the guys on the team putting a lot of work and just have it all pretty much just go to waste because of unfortunate cir- circumstances yeah, I think Luke Luke touches on it enough in the in the interview, so we'll save it for later. But his key theme was, you know, this what happened to them could happen to anybody, and I think it's a it's a wake up call for for all of us in the hockey world that uh, times are changing, and it's better to you know think twice about certain traditions you may have at your school. That being said, we are excited though because obviously we'd had Luke on and and he was great. We do have some more guests lined up. With with classes and full steam, with, with classes and 
obviously getting back on the ice and everything, we've decided that uh, we're going to start producing the podcast twice every three weeks. So we'll do one week with a podcast, one week of the podcast, and then we'll do a bye week two podcasts bi-week, two podcasts bi-week, and that'll be kind of the rotation we'll get into. We were doing four at a time and then taking a break, but it's just too exhausting. Um, so we figured we'd we, we produced higher quality content and a little less of the podcast, maybe more on the social media side of things. We are pumped by the time this will come out. Um, everybody will know we are doing a March Madness jersey competition the ACHA fans and players love their jerseys. And um, obviously it, it, it caught on when quarantine hit last year and there was no nationals. So everyone was doing these Jersey brackets. And so um, I'll give credit, credit where credit's due. The guys at Texas tech messaged me and, and said, Hey, you guys should, you guys should do a Jersey madness. And I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. So the three of us and, and Ben Smith from cock hockey have teamed up and we've each, picked four teams uh, or four jerseys that we like in the ACHA and we're, we're excited. Those are, there's going to be 16 auto bids and then, you know, we'll fill out the 64 team bracket and it should be fun because there's a lot of cool jerseys and in the non NCAA college hockey world. And um, I look forward to seeing the results. I know there was a lot of talk um, last spring. It was Oregon versus BYU in the championship of the vote, and people were saying that BYU bought their votes on Twitter and won the whole thing. So I, I don't know. I, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll get a lot of teams involved, especially those who, who aren't playing right now. So we'll see how that goes. I'm fired up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of good jerseys. So, uh, no scandals going on this time. Oh, no. I want a clean fight. <laughs> Zero collusion from anyone. I won't have that. Not not here. Not in the hockey house. Also, shout out to our fans. We did talk about the Glick on the 2K cover. We do have 2,000 followers on Instagram. That was kind of a goal of ours from very early on. We wanted to hit 1,000 followers by Christmas and then uh, get to 2,000 as soon as we can. And to, you know, hit it. We started this in, in September. This is kind of our six-month six month mark. Uh, so a half a year doing this 2000 followers isn't bad. Um, we obviously thank all the listeners and the followers on social media, um, for all your support. What do you guys have to say about that? You're the real MVP. Yeah. For real shout out to all the listeners and the fans. We really do appreciate it. ACHA to the show. (laughs) All right. Well, that being said, we'll, um, we'll turn it over to our interview with, with Luke Grossman from slippery rock. And uh, he'll give you guys the lay of the land with what's going on with his program. And uh, we'll uh, catch you guys next week. This week, we're pleased to welcome from Slippery Rock University of ACHA Division One, Luke Grossman. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. I, uh, I wish it was under some better circumstances, but uh, that's where we are right now. We, uh, we kind of hinted at it last episode with the West Virginia guys. I don't know if you were able to listen to that one, but uh, they, they were talking about the teams they play, and they mentioned Slippery Rock. They didn't forget about you guys. but uh, yeah, I, 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 RIP, I heard it in there. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, so, obviously, now we're here. Um, we we saw, saw a situation going on on Twitter. Um, but just for the, the folks listening at home, why don't you give yourself an introduction here? How did you end up at Slippery Rock playing in the ACHA? So I, um, I grew up about an hour south of Slippery Rock. 
um, grew up in the Pittsburgh area, uh, played high school and, and bounced around between the different AA organizations. Um, after I graduated high school, I got an opportunity to jump on with um, Southern Tier Express in the NA3 in Jamestown, New York. Um, unreal place to play. It's a real small town, but um, they had a beautiful rink, beautiful locker room. Um, we were bringing in that, that first season up there. We were bringing like 1,400 fans a game. Excellent junior hockey town. Um, they have a null team now. But uh, played there for three seasons. My second year was actually going to uh, wrap up my junior career after my second season and uh, go to Slippery Rock. I had visited. I had skated a couple of times, met the guys. Really liked there. Um, the big thing was um, I knew I wanted to coach. And uh, they have a program at Slippery Rock that's a fitness management and coaching major, which um, has been phenomenal. Um, it's a lot of like coaching, psychology, philosophy of coaching, um, and then the, the fitness aspect of it too. So that, that really sold it for me right there. Um, decided to go play my third year, finish up, age out. And then uh, after that, came down and jumped on with the, uh, with the team here at Slippery Rock. There we go. And, and just for people who don't know, where is Slippery Rock? Uh, it's about an hour north of Pittsburgh. It's uh, about halfway between Pittsburgh and Erie. Um, Butler County, it's, uh, it's a real rural area. Um, this town, not a whole lot going on besides, besides the college. But, uh, you know, that's, that's what drives the, the town here is, is definitely that, that small town uh, college atmosphere. There you go. And, um, you know, once, once you get to school, what's your, what's mm-hmm. your welcome to the ACHA moment? Um, I think that one probably came before I even, um, ended up going to Slippery Rock. It was my first skate when I came down to, uh, skate with the team. Um, probably four or five of us from Jamestown made the trip down, uh, came to practice with them and, and check out the, uh, the facilities. And, um, we were finishing practice. There was one player that was coming back from a concussion. His, uh, his conditioning wasn't there yet. And we got to do some um, some skating drills at the end of practice and first first rep whistle blows he takes about three strides and projectile vomits and then just keep skating and we just we kept rolling with it uh we finished skating guys were skating through it it was all over the ice and um you know the only thing i could i could think at the end of that was i'm really thankful he was wearing a, a cage and not a bubble because uh, it just would have been filled just would have been filled with puke that's brutal. <laughs> That's so tough. Yeah. Hey, credit to him for keeping going. Didn't just like fall into the ice. I respect that. Absolutely. It's that's what that's what ACHA is about, right? It's about persevering, overcoming adversity, right? There's oh, yeah. a lot of that in the ACHA. Well, he had he had the rec- he was skating in front of the recruits. He wanted to show you guys what the slippery <laughs> rock mentalities live out. Exactly. He didn't want to lose a spot either. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> Good point. Just putting on a show. All right, well, Luke, um, as much as we'd love to talk uh, about, you know, the good times of the ACHA, you, you join us from an unfortunate perspective. You're, you're actually – you're kind of on a media tour in a, in a weird way um, <laughs> answering questions. So um, just for, for the people at home, obviously there's the article that, that people can read if they want more information, but kind of just give us the, uh, the spark notes of what's going on at Slippery Rock right now. Right. Um... So I wasn't sure if I wanted to, um, to touch on this initially 
and um, I'm not sure who I was messaging with last night from from the podcast, but they had just mentioned the the aspect of um, I could kind of present this as a warning to some of the other teams in the ACHA because we didn't know that we were doing anything wrong. We didn't know we, that we were doing anything that was going to get us in trouble. Um, and you know, looking back, some some small adjustments might have been able to uh, to save our our program here. Um, so this all kind of started very beginning of last season. Um, this is the 2019-2020 season. Um, we get to school. We go through tryouts in August, pick the team. Um, we go to have our, our rookie day. Um, everything goes fine. You know, uh, no one – our rookie day wasn't really – there wasn't a whole lot to it. We had a couple events. Um, we did a scavenger hunt. We had a foot race and then – um, some after all that had concluded in the evening, we just kept the team together and uh, we're drinking. And um, there was uh, some exotic dancers that that were there, but it wasn't. I know that's like an alarm goes off when you when you hear things like that regarding hazing and regarding um, college athletics. Um, all I can say, all I can touch on there is that it's it probably isn't what people immediately picture. Um, and it was meant to be just fun hanging out with the guys, team bonding, um, team building. And um, so that goes off without a hitch. We play our whole season. Um, we end up losing to Pitt in our conference semifinals. Um, about a week after that, we get an email from the university telling us we need to um, get everybody together and go to the student conduct office. They gave us about a two-hour warning. Um, didn't give us any indication on what was going on. Um, we go to the office. We all show up together. Um, we, they separate us immediately, put us in individual rooms, and they start questioning us on events that had happened six or seven months prior um, regarding our, our rookie day. Um, so that wraps up. I felt pretty confident that this wasn't going to turn into anything because, I, had, as I mentioned before, it, there wasn't anything to indicate that anybody felt hazed or bullied or anything like that. Um, COVID hits immediately after that. And we don't hear anything. Um, so we continue planning for the next season. We're putting our schedule together. Um, everything was tentative um, because of, because of COVID and not because of the other situation, but we were pulling in um, recruits. We were announcing our, our commits, um, ordering our uniforms, gloves, all that stuff. Uh, this school year starts in August and, um, a couple weeks into the semester, I get an email saying that student conduct office has made a decision on our team. So I hop in a zoom meeting with, uh, the head of student conduct. Um, and she informs us that they decided on a two year suspension. Um, but there was a stipulation to that, that nobody currently involved with the program could continue to be involved, um, including our coaching staff. Um, so including our interns, our, our GM. Um, so I sat down with the rest of our student board and coaching staff and we discussed and we said, regardless if it's a two year or 10 year, um, if they make it so that nobody currently playing can return, it's a death sentence for our team. Um, I don't think they realize 
how college hockey works, the, the university realized how college hockey works, and that at, at that point, there would be no recovering. Um, and we've been making such great strides. Uh, my freshman year, we made the playoffs for the first time in seven years. Second year, we went to the conference finals. Third year, we got um, an opportunity to go play Adrian, Liberty, and OU. Um, things were just really going in the right direction. Um, we were working with the university on on getting some more funding and um, actually getting some some academic grants that we could uh, dish out to our out-of-state guys to lower their tuition a little bit. Um, and uh, so we decided that we were going to appeal it. And how that appeal process works is uh, the university puts together a hearing board. So it was two faculty members and a student were the hearing board. And we go in and they have a basically an unofficial trial. They call in witnesses. It was like a 10-hour Zoom call. It was just an excruciating day of um, just rehashing the same stuff over and over and over again. And so they called in a bunch of witnesses. They called in our coaching staff, um, both of which are Slippery Rock alum both of which are working on a volunteer basis. They, they donated their money back to the program. Um, and uh, throughout that whole meeting, the hearing board applauded us. They said that they could tell that we're a really tight group, um, that we've been doing the right things. Um, and they applauded our, our coaching staff for um, just like setting the precedent that of giving back to the university and, and enjoying your experience here. And, uh, and then, you know, giving back and, and donating time and, and money back to the, the experience that you had. Um, so, yeah. So from there, I was like, we did excellent. No new information came up from the hearing. Um, waited a few more weeks, didn't hear anything after the hearing. I finally got an email saying that they actually extended it to a four-year suspension. Um, so after that, there was one final um possibility to get it reduced and that was um, a final appeal and that one is it just gets sent to um dr wilmus who is you know the next step above who we had been working with um and he reviews the whole um the whole all the information that they had he watches the zoom of the hearing and uh and then following that makes a decision and that is the final decision and he decided to keep it at the four years. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a long year and, and this all wrapped up mm, probably end of December. Um, so yeah, it was from, from March of, of 2020 it was almost a full year of, of uncertainty and, uh, you know, just trying our best to, to hold it together and, and somehow come out of this and, and be able to keep competing. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, things didn't work out. I think a, a big part of this is the three of us were talking before you came on, Luke. Like, mm -hmm. you read the story, and like, this is a situation where it, it could probably happen to anybody. Like, right, right. You, I know it's cited in the in the article that like college hockey teams and college teams in general do these types of things. Mm -hmm. And they are traditions and they go on for years and every, every class it's like, Hey, you know what? We, we can do it. Like it's tradition. It's fine. And, and you know, every year it seems to be, there's more and more of these situations where there's anonymous calls. Somebody says they were fine with it. And then a month later, maybe they're not fine with it and they report mm -hmm. it. And I think that's why I was 
I really wanted to have you on the podcast tonight because I think this is something that like ACHA teams around the country should look at as kind of a, you know, Hey, like maybe let's not do this next time because you never, you never know what could happen. Right. Um, and, and even from there, um, there's things that looking back, there's things that, that were counted as violations against us that were a lot of people question and say, why is this, you know, why is this counted against them? Um, things like, um, on our rookie day, we did a scavenger hunt, um, and we split the, the new members into two teams and we sent them out um, into the community and, and the items listed on the scavenger hunt were, um, the whole point of it was to help them get to know each other better because they're going to be going through a lot of the same stuff over the next uh, couple of years. And, you know, that having that support system within your own class is really important. Allow them to get to know each other right away. Um, and then from there, the items listed on our scavenger hunt were things that um, either different landmarks throughout the community, getting pictures in front of different restaurants and, and places that we hang out throughout the community or places on campus, different classroom buildings, um, or getting to know their teammates better, items that are designed to help them get to understand who their, their new team is. Um, that was counted against us because it was something that not everybody was doing. It was singled out that it was just the freshmen going to do this. And even though we tried to explain to them that while that was going on, upperclassmen were back at um, our apartment complex. We have um, an apartment complex we live at that it's like we have like five or six townhouses in a row. Um, so we have like two thirds of the team all living right next to each other, which is really cool. Um, they're all back at the apartment complex grilling burgers and dogs and getting food ready. So when they get back, we can all hang out outside and, but because it wasn't everybody going out doing these things together, that was a violation that was considered um, singling that group out. Another thing was having freshmen pick up pucks and water bottles after practice. Um, we did a foot race at the very beginning of the day. We bought prizes for the winners. Um, and because that wasn't, that was physical activity not designed to help people become better hockey players and you don't know people's limits like physical limits, you can't have them doing anything, including physical activity, which we're college athletes. <laughs> like it was like a 30 yard sprint. Um, that was another thing that was counted against us. We had a cowboy hat. Um, we do uh, shootouts after our, at the end of our Monday practices and um, whoever lost the shootout, they would wear a cowboy hat to class. Um, it was just all meant to be fun stuff. It was all meant to be inclusive. Um, and it was stuff that, everybody was on board with nobody throughout the entire process. Nobody on the team ever spoke out um, saying that anything that we did made them feel singled out. Um, the only thing that they had was that anonymous call. And then the information that they gathered from the, um, the investigation. And I think another, I think another perspective of this, which I'm sure you'll agree with is the, at the end of the day, ACHA athletes are not treated like varsity athletes. And so when problems arise at universities underneath club sports, I think universities a lot of the time would rather just sweep it under the rug and get rid of it 
because it's not a varsity product that they're responsible for putting on the field. So a pro- maybe if this problem happens with the baseball team or the football team, it gets dealt with and they come back next season, they still have recruits coming in. Maybe a couple of people get suspended, but at the end of the team, they're going to put a team on the field or on the court. Mm-hmm. When things like this happen in club hockey, it becomes a let's just get rid of it thing. Right. And I think I think that is obviously this is the, the severe worst case scenario, but it's a reality that I think a lot of guys listening should think about because you never know when this might happen. Um, and the university holds all the power against a group of guys who pay to play college hockey. And as much as we don't like saying that, it's at the end of the day, that's our reality. And so if a university doesn't want to give us any more money, then they can make that decision themselves. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's really a shame too coming right now because um, throughout all of COVID and the uncertainty of classes coming back to campus and um, you know, everyone is just life is different right now for everybody. And I think having this support system for the guys on the team right now, having the support system and having hopefully the, the, um, the chance to escape that and get back on the ice and, and keep focusing on, um, you know, our goals, that, our hockey related goals. Um, and in addition to that, the, uh, just the, ability for everybody to come back together. And, you know, we have a lot of out of state guys and, um, you know, they're just, they're waiting at home. They were waiting all year for the call and um, for us to come back to campus, get classes rolling back together. And uh, they, uh, that support system was, was shattered. Right. And like, as soon as this happened, um, immediately guys are, are thinking, okay, where am I going next? Um, where am I transferring? Because they came here to play hockey and um, you know, our upperclassmen or our seniors will probably stay and finish it out. Um, but, you know, we, we needed each other right now. And, and I tried to express that the best I could to, to the university and um, just felt that it, it wasn't heard all the way. And uh, Luke, I think that's a great transition mm-hmm. here because when you first reached out to me, um, you had expressed that there's a handful of guys on this team who are looking for new places to play college hockey. And so I don't know how you want to go about it, but I'll give you the floor once again how many guys are, are looking to transfer and where are these guys looking to transfer to and how can guys listening help these guys out? Yeah. I mean, I think at the, at the very least um, everyone's willing to listen right now. Um, I think that there's some guys that are unsure what they want to do. If, if, you know, this is going to be it and they're going to hang it up and they're going to finish it out here. Um, or they're going to try to transfer, jump on with a, with a new team and, and finish out their last couple of years. Um, but at the very least, like I said, I think everyone's willing to listen and, and at least hear other opportunities. Um, specifically, um, you know, we had the, the top scorer in the country from two, two seasons ago, Jamie Morrow. Um, I know he's, he's looking around and, and seeing what his offers might be. We have two goalies that are, that are potentially looking to transfer. Both of them are probably able to step in with, with a lot of teams and, and jump right into a starting job. Um, one of them is going to be a senior next season. Um, and I don't know if he's going to end up playing a fifth year and uh, the other one's a junior. Both of them probably didn't get 
um, enough opportunities just because we had a, a D3 transfer that graduated last season. But uh, yeah, they're, they're both ready to step in with a new organization and, and take a starting job. So yeah, I, I just, if there are teams out there looking and, and trying to, to bring in some players or, or coaching staffs that are um, trying to recruit some guys and, and fill out their rosters, maybe fill out their top six, shoot me an email. It's LukeGrossman3452 at Gmail. I will relay any information. I will get anybody in direct contact with the players or just be able to give some more information on, uh, on who we have here. Um, but yeah, it, it, we have a lot of talent with this team. Um, like I had said, we definitely came a long way from three seasons ago, making the playoffs for the first time in seven years, and then being able to jump right into a, a conference championship. So yeah, there are teams out there looking. Luke Grossman, 3452 at Gmail, and, and I'll, I'll get them in touch. All right, and uh, are there are there slippery rock game film? Is there slippery rock game film on YouTube? There is some on YouTube. I know our um, conference playoffs are on YouTube. I believe WVU streams a lot of their games through YouTube. So anytime that we played um, WVU, that is available. We streamed our games through uh, a group called Black Dog Hockey. Um, so if there's teams out there that have subscriptions, um, I can. Uh, that's all available there. And um, beyond that, I'd be happy to, to cut some clips and, and send them out as well if there's uh, teams specifically interested in, in one or two players. Awesome. Well, hey, yeah. Luke, uh, you've obviously got a, a tough job um, this, this time of year. Are you, are you the club president, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm the club president. I actually jumped on um, just a couple months before this all hit. So I was the vice president. And uh, yep. our president at the time was a senior. He was, uh, for his last semester, looking to phase out and, and start getting ready to graduate. And I jumped on and, you know, two months later, everything kind of fell apart. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, had to learn a lot really quick. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll transition here. Let's talk about your time at, at Slippery Rock. I'll throw it over to, to Glick and Fitz because – they're probably dying to talk at this point. Uh, <laughs> now, now that uh, the, the the serious conversation is over, let's let's lighten the mood here, um, and we'll, we'll go over some down memory lane at Slippery Rock. I can go first. So you're out by Pittsburgh. Um, what kind of teams do you play on the road, and how are road trips like were like at Slippery Rock? So we usually do um, four or five like big road trips a year. Our, our conference games are are all really local i mean pitt duquesne uh rmu all those teams are probably less than an hour away mercy is probably less than an hour um john carroll is probably the furthest team in our conference and it's like two hours maybe um so all of those are usually ride out play the game and then drive back we'll usually play a home and an away on conference weekends um but we'll do four or five road trips a year um, a lot, a lot of times up in like the Buffalo area, RIT, Niagara. Um, we did do Florida Gulf Coast a couple years ago. That was an absolute blast. So we flew out, um, flew out a day early, uh, hit the beach. It was right like probably mid October. Hit the beach, um, hung out. That was a great trip. Um, but yeah, usually four or five within five hours. We go out to Michigan. Um, we've done Oakland, Adrian. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, we did Liberty last season and, uh, and OU as well. 
I wanted to say really quick, I actually own a, I don't know if you've heard of the Slippery, slippery Rock Sliders, Luke. They're a summer ball team. I uh, I own one of their baseball hats. If I was at home, <laughs> I'd throw it on right now for you. But uh, Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> slippery Rock gets this like reputation just because it's kind of a funny name. I know at the uh, University of Michigan football games, they always announce the Slippery Rock scores. They do all the oh, yeah, Division yeah. One scores for football, and then they do Slippery Rock too. And it yep. it's become a tradition just because the PA announcer was going down the list of announcing scores, and he saw Slippery Rock and thought it was a funny name, and announced that with all the Division One scores. And it's become like a uh, a tradition. There, everyone goes nuts at the yeah. the big house when they announce wild. that. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, just because it's a goofy name. <laughs> Let's uh let's hear what what what's one of your just favorite memories from Slippery Rock hockey, um or, or the campus or school wise. Right, right, right. Um, one really good one is is our our conference championship game. Um, we played RMU uh, two seasons ago, um, and the way our conference playoffs work, I'm not sure if it's this way for most of the conferences, but it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So there's eight teams in our conference. Top six make playoffs. Top two get buys. Um, three plays six, four plays five on Friday. There's then there's two games on uh, on Saturday. One will play the lowest seed, two will play the higher seed, and then Sunday is is the final. So it's it's just a really long weekend. Um, all the games are at one location, um, so you're kind of you know playing and trying to listen to what's going on in the other games because there's two sheets. Um, so we make it through the first two games. We beat uh, John Carroll on Friday. We beat Duquesne on Saturday rolling the finals on Sunday and um, we rode the same goalie all three games. Um, and I think he was just, just reaching the end of, of a long weekend and he struggled the first two periods. Um, we were down five, nothing at uh, midway point of the game and uh, just started chipping away and uh, ended up battling back and tying it up seven, seven, like right before the end of the end of the game. Um, right as the buzzer goes off to end the third period, uh, the refs called two penalties. Um, so we were down five on three going into overtime uh, and ended up ended up losing in overtime. But just like the fact that we were down five nothing and we were able to reset and battle and chip away. And like we had guys diving, blocking shots and like laying out everything that we had left, um, emptying the tanks. And it was just we were this close to, to finishing it. And um heading out to, to uh, I think it was nationals were in Dallas uh, that year, but uh, just came up a little bit short, but just watching the team battle and work together and nobody gave up the entire way. And it was just so exciting. And um, that had definitely has to top my list of uh, best games that I've like ever played, even outside of college hockey, just like that's my favorite hockey game in my career for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. I gotta ask, what's the story behind the uh, the manpower sign? <laughs> that's from our uh, that's from our, our golf outing. Um, okay, it's a it's a group that they like they do like job placement. Like you can go through them, and they'll help you know you'll help you find a job. And but they were one of our sponsors at our golf outing. We do tea signs at all the all the tea boxes, and uh, we were cleaning out our locker room after all this happened recently, and. 
um, I was just going through the signs and trying to give them back to like if families had donated or or people's parents companies had had sponsored. I was trying to give them back to whatever players. And I found this one and I was like, I'm going to keep that one. And it's become like a staple if, you know, all the guys are hanging out at the house or something. It's it always gets taken out of the wall and people are taking pictures with the manpower sign. So that. <laughs> nice. Hashtag manpower. Manpower. <laughs> Luke, where where did you guys play home games? Uh, we play at the Lemieux Center. It's like 30 minutes away from our campus. It's uh, There's like no rinks in the area. Um, there's like three or four that are 30 or 40 minutes away, but that's that's the closest we got. We were working for a long time to get a, a rink put on campus and uh, working with the Student Government Association. and um, We got close a couple times. Um, I think it would do fantastic just – because hockey's grown so much in Pittsburgh, I think there's like there's like 28 um, youth programs operating out of like 22 ranks in Pittsburgh. Um, so there's definitely you know room for for a, another rink to pop up, but uh, didn't work out. We ended up playing at the Lemieux Center. Um, fantastic building. It's just a little bit far. Um, the problem there is that. We're getting some some tough ice times. So a lot of our games, we were playing like 10:40 at night. There'd be an adult C league game going before us, and uh, <laughs> it's hard to get fans in the stands at that point. But um, the building itself is fantastic. Um, we had a storage like a storage room there, um, but then uh, the last couple of years we've been using the Pens Elite locker rooms. So we keep our bags in the storage room and then just move them over to the the Pens Elite rooms. Um, for our games. That's nice considering the, the drive you guys make to the rank that you don't have to lug your equipment. Right, right. On the road, what do you think is your favorite place to play against which teams? Uh, I mean, last season, um, Liberty was fantastic. Uh, Adrian was was fantastic. OU the same. Um, within our conference, um, honestly, it's a tough place to play. But WBU is is a blast. It's a real tight rink, and it's it's um it's an old building, but I think that just that just really complements like the style of of game that we play in our conference. It's gritty, it's hard nosed, and and um a lot of the guys come from the Pittsburgh area. A lot of the guys grow up playing against each other, so you have a lot of um you know it just it just adds to the games a little bit whenever uh, you know you grew up playing against half of the other team and um, friends with some of them that we have uh, a set of brothers. One plays for WVU on uh, the other place here at Slippery Rock. Um, so it just, it adds to that, that those rivalries a little bit. Um, IUP is another one. That's a lot of fun um, just because there's a lot of history there. And it's kind of a bitter rivalry for, for all sports, Slippery Rock and IUP. What division is Slippery Rock in, in sports? Uh, like uh, our varsity sports Yeah, is uh, division two. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Fitz. I was gonna ask my my uh, favorite question: Who's what's the uh, what's the music like? Who's bumping on the uh, the DJ set before the games? Honestly, um, so our goalie from uh, the the one that graduated he's he's from Montreal and um, he's real into like he DJs and he's real into like house music um, and he's also real into like disco. Um, he was telling us that his his parents go out and like 
disco on on the weekends and they stay out to like four or five in the morning blasting music and um so we have definitely that's a lot of disco has been added to the playlist he show you um, some it, moves <laughs> i don't know about that he's 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 pretty stiff when it comes to anything outside of outside of hockey but uh yeah it's uh our, our parties definitely have their their own kind of feel and, and the other thing is that as i had mentioned we uh with the with the late game times on Friday Saturday nights, a lot of times we'll be getting back to campus at one thirty two in the morning. Um, so it'll pretty much just be the team and uh, and like a lot of like close friends, people that come out to the games and, and support all the games, and then I'll go back to the hockey house afterwards. And it's uh, so it's usually the a lot of the same faces at the parties, but I think that makes it a lot more fun. We play whatever music we want and. Uh, and you know, getting back at two and starting at two, we usually go till the sun comes up, and then uh, we do the. There's a diner in town called Camelot. We do the Camelot trot at five a.m. Walk down to the diner, get breakfast, and then walk back and, and call it a night. So, um, yeah, our our parties have definitely taken on a new, uh, a little bit of a different uh, feel to them for sure. I don't think we've ever asked one of these questions before, but. Any significance behind the number 21 that you're repping on the jersey? Uh, yeah, so I um, actually wore a different number growing up. I wore 34 from the time I started until I graduated high school. Um, went up to Jamestown, and uh, 34 wasn't available. So uh, 21 was. 21 was the number my dad wore, um, and he wore it because um, he was a big baseball fan. Um, and a baseball fan in Pittsburgh during the, the 60s and 70s is um, going to love Roberto Clemente. So uh, he wore it for Roberto Clemente, and that's, um, you know, I kind of picked it up for him too. So, um, yeah, a little cross-sport reference there. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I would ask what, what, what it's like having fans at the game, but I'm assuming 30 minutes away from campus, it's kind of a <laughs> tough sell, right? Um, honestly... Um, you know, we didn't do big numbers at our game, but it was usually the same consistent crew that was there. Um, the girls lacrosse team is, is real tight with a lot of the guys. They, their whole team is out at like every game. Um, and, uh, and just the same, you know, the same usual group of friends. Um, and that, that are- makes it fun as well. Just the, having that, that tight group there that's supporting and, and putting signs up and, you know really like bringing the energy at those games is a lot of fun. Sometimes we're the whole team's playing in a, in a beer league now and the girls across team still showing up. So they're, uh, <laughs> there we go. They're, uh, they're pretty committed. That's some dedication right there. <laughs> oh, so the rock hockey that. super club, right. Or s- super fan club right there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as far as, um, you know, good memories, uh, um, one of the best days of the year every year is there's there's always a, a, a party called the pig roast um, that they host at our apartment complex. Um, and like I had mentioned that with all of our apartments being right next to each other and then the way it's set up is everything's in a big square with a huge courtyard in the middle um, with like a pergola and lights and great place for beer dye to play all night. The lights are there. You can get the throw as high as you want to go. You don't have to be inside, but uh, yeah. And then every year that at that party, the pick roast, they have like food trucks sometimes and vendors. And it was like 
1200 people in the courtyard and that morning you wake up and like from the second you wake up you can hear music playing you can smell the stale beer and it's like it's best day of the year for shorts drinking all day and uh and um you just go right out right out the back door and uh, we usually drag the couches out or the um tv and playstation stuff we'll sit outside all day play video games and uh yeah it's definitely one of my favorite days of the year for sure love to hear that yeah and uh what, what, why don't you give the, the folks an update when you're not emailing rec services at slippery rock what are you doing in your free time um so with uh with me hanging them up i jumped on with my high school team the high school that i played for i jumped on coaching with them um really really been enjoying that um besides that delivering pizzas right now and uh trying to stay up on my grades um so between the three of those not uh not a whole lot of free time um real big into like this marvel movies um been hammering wandavision lately it's an awesome show um but yeah outside of that there's not uh not a whole lot of free time left over hey if you can't play you might as well coach right right yeah i i kind of knew that's where my career was going anyway um i definitely think I'll, I'll be a better coach than a player so uh yeah that's uh I've, I've really been enjoying it and the kids are great and um already learned a lot this year uh working with um with the team so it's been a good thing for me all right well hey luke once again thanks for coming on uh not an easy thing to talk about especially um during such an unusual year and, and you know we thank you for coming on and sharing your story because i think it'll it'll help out with a lot of other teams going forward yeah yeah absolutely um and thanks for the opportunity i i hope we can uh get these uh find these guys a new home they're great kids our um team atmosphere here is great um, they're committed and um i think they'd be a big help to to any school that that reaches out um and and like you had mentioned, um, tread carefully because you know we didn't realize at the time we were doing anything wrong. Um, bunch of you know twenty something year old guys having fun and uh, and and when everything can be recorded on a phone or um, you know everyone being extra cautious of these things, um, what you think isn't a big deal to the university might be and uh you know just be careful because um you know I, I i think i speak for for every member of our team that if we could go back and do it again and have to give up those those portions of of um our traditions um you know we do in a second to be able to put a team out this season and and continue the uh the trajectory we, that we were on so yeah um just tread tread carefully <laughs>